I'm so yeah, your point as far as what are these office drones being like, yep, drill a hole in my head. That's fine. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on, one of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you about what right? Because I have a right to be. I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So this week, uh, we decided to be stupid and not cover the big release. We're not covering Beauty and the Beast. So uh, we are covering the Belko experiment, which we tied in with Slither, which is another James Gunn written horror film. Uh, so to talk about the Belko experiment, welcome the person I made go watch this movie, uh, Michael Denniston from War Machine vs. Warhorse. Thanks, thanks for watching the Belko experiment. I like how you said we decided to be stupid because I thought I had the week off. Because I told you, yeah, I'm not going to watch Beauty and the Beast. Uh-uh. Uh, and I, I look at the schedule and I'm like, what? wait a minute, what does Slither got to do with Beauty and the Beast? You're really stretching there. No, we're going to do the Belko experiment. And yes, I did stupidly go. Um, having not seen any trailers or anything, uh, I thought like, okay, this should be pleasant. And it was not pleasant. I don't, I'm, I'm beginning to think that watching the trailers and suffering through spoilers really just Better. saves you a lot of pain and agony. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the the spoil the trailers are not so much advertisements for movies, but like a warning. Like, right. Here's what yep. you're walking into. So when I saw this trailer, I was actually kind of interested in it. Like it's no, you're the one. Yeah, I was the one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I saw the trailer. I was like, okay, uh, this looks like a bit of a stretch, and it's always tough when you have essentially a locked room movie because that's what you have here. You have one setting basically, so it better be done really well. It better be written really well and directed really well. Uh, but unfortunately, I can't say that that happened here. Uh, and that's a little disappointing given that I really like James Gunn. I like his writing. Um, I think Slither is Slither is ten times the movie this is. I would watch Slither way more than I would ever watch this again. So this was definitely disappointing. And the thing that kept popping into my mind is that when you have a horror movie uh, and all these people are dying unnecessarily, you better have a character that you care about. Like, that's what separates good horror. I mean, that's why, to me, Halloween is a great horror movie, because you give a shit about Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie. And in this movie, I don't know about you, I'm pretty much sure I know your answer, but I didn't care about any of these people. They Like, they were all completely disposable. It became gore for gore's sake. Yeah, I would say there's a, a number of differences between this and Halloween, beyond just <laughs> Jamie Lee good Curtis. One's good and one's bad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I thought about Get Out a lot, which is a film that uh, a few weeks ago I said, okay, it's not an earthquake of cinema, <laughs> uh, and by the end of the year, no one will probably be talking about it, like at least not in this regard that it's like the next Vertigo or Citizen Kane. But this film does make Get Out look quite a bit better because yeah. both films are different takes on well i don't with belko i don't want to say it's a different take get out's a different take on a horror movie we've seen before the stepford wives whatever mm-hmm. uh this battle royale uh, even the hunger games yeah is better written and more thought out like the ya way more this. yep so all it made me think about was uh who is the director here and why do they suck so bad and two <laughs> Who really thought this idea was worthy of the time it takes? Because, I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into making a movie. Like, we we pick on right. it as, as Monday morning quarterbacks on why this guy sucks, especially that one from Kong that I did last week. <laughs> I would watch Kong three more times before I watch this again. Well, let's like, not get crazy. I actually didn't walk out of this one uh, because... Because it was short. It, it was an hour and 28 minutes. It's shorter. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a problem initially with its lack of originality. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of horror movies don't, and so this is like the office space version of the Hunger Games. Unfortunately, and also starring John C. McGinley, right? Like that was the <laughs> that was uh, problematic. I, I felt bad for this person. I was just like, I don't even know the guy, and I'm like, oh, like did you have a, a house payment? Oh, I you felt you sorry for John C. McGinley, yeah, not, not the character. Not the, okay, not the character. The characters. I actually didn't feel bad for any of them. I nope. don't care. Uh, Here's the a minor spoiler. So if you have any interest in this film, I'm not going to get into a specific spoiler, but I guess it, if you have this in mind, it could ruin the whole experience. That wait long enough? Are you still here, listeners? Okay, you probably are because you don't care. No, nobody cares. 
there's no surprises in this movie. Like the the people that they set up at the beginning as the ones who are terrified of killing, uh, rightfully so, don't want to take a coworker's life, someone that they've set with before for indeterminate amount of time, or even a new person, first day on the job. I felt like that was another thing that they don't really explore. Um, and then you have the people like – Usually the the sort of uh, higher up white dudes who are like, all right, got to kill. I guess we got to go to the gun vault and get our guns. Like they never really <laughs> twist any of those characters. I put them in no. a situation where they do something uh, that you don't expect. It's like, OK, those are the black hats. Those are the white hats. Right. And the white hats. I want them to die quickly in this film, because when even when it is life or death, like when they really at your your base nature here, survival, they like weep. When they kill someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's just not a fun movie at all. And it's, yeah. you can't take it seriously enough for it to, to have those sort of theatrics. Right. I, I don't know. I guess that's why I rooted for the bad guys. Yeah. And I think this movie is like, it's, it's a psychological philosophical discussion that's been had so many times that no one gives a shit anymore. Like the idea of like, is it morally wrong to kill someone no matter what the situation, right? So you have one character who is like, no, it's, it's wrong. No matter what, it's always going to be wrong. And then you have the black hats who are like, no, nah, we're going to kill everybody. And then you have the people in the middle will be like, well, sometimes, and that's the whole movie. Like, it's just, it's a discussion we've had. It's essentially, it's like, it's like watching a faith-based movie where they try to decide why good, why bad things happen to good people. Like, it's not interesting at this point. It's interesting when I you're... I prefer the ones where they put God on trial. <laughs> right. I mean, it's interesting <laughs> when you're 12 years old, when you're first thinking about mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. No. But, like, but now, like, and it's like 12-year-olds shouldn't see a movie like this. So everyone here is, like, over 18, hopefully, because this is definitely a very bloody, gory movie. So that setup isn't terribly interesting to me. Like, and like you said, there's no twist here. There's nothing that happens that's unexpected. And you need that in a movie like this, especially a locked room movie like this. Like, you really need some surprises. Well, think about it from the villain's perspective here. If we're going to say the villains are the, the, the experimenters, the ones putting mm-hmm. on this production – wouldn't they be like the audience bored out of their fucking mind? Cause it's like, yes. Oh, the, the people who are willing to kill decided that within 10 seconds. And the ones that don't said, Nope, we're not going to cross that right. line. Well, okay. You could have stopped the experiment right then there been like, okay, these type of people let's pl-. And also if you, you know, I, I, I shouldn't think this much about it. What would this is they not honestly true romance. Learn? I want you to actually analyze. What, movies, what so. would they honestly <laughs> find from this event, especially the way it's set up to where, the villains here, it's a big time cheat where they have things implanted in these people's skull okay, who willingly is, did that. This is something I want to talk about. This is the okay. thing that bothered me for the whole movie, and I couldn't get it. I couldn't leave it behind. Okay, so you start a new job, and they say, okay, here's all this paperwork to fill out. Here's your salary. Here's your medical insurance. Also, we need to put a, a tracker in your head uh, because we're in Colombia, and you might get kidnapped because you're not a national. Um, this is a fucking office job. You better pay me a million dollars a year minimum. Most of these people do not look like no. they're living it up. So No. They, they look all like look the- office drones. They look like <laughs> the people in office space, and they're supposed to. But who would agree to this? Who would be like, okay, yeah, put the tracker in the fucking back of my head. Like, you just... The one thing they did well with that is there's a scene early in the film where they start taking out a couple people to kind of scare people into action, right? And the first person that's killed via this this tracker... Uh, is on the roof. So for a second, you think, oh, there's snipers out there. And it kind of fools you for a second. And then it kind of takes that away really quick. I thought they handled that really well. But the whole setup is terrible. Who would agree to this, Mike? You'd have to be really desperate for a job. I know unemployment is a big deal. But I would rather die starving than have someone put a tracker in me for minimum wage. Thanks. I mean, I just read uh, an article. It was in the New York Times. It was talking about um, the problems that small town areas out in the middle of nowhere in this country are going to have if you know Trump's policies go through as far as getting doctors to come to these small towns because a lot of them are from other countries. Right. Because Americans don't want to, especially ones who make a salary uh, that's – you know, a doctor salary somewhere. They don't want to live out in the middle of nowhere, even in the States. I'm, so, yeah, your point as far as what are these office drones being like, yep, drill a hole in my head. <laughs> That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> like, can if you're going to have that, you better write in a really good reason. And, like, there's a lot of kidnapping in Colombia doesn't count for me. Like, that's not, 
that's not a good reason for me. That doesn't that doesn't fly with me. It's also not a very interesting reason for the film. It's not very entertaining for these philosophical debates because okay, so the Hunger Games you have like the their little draft where you one right. person from their various colonies or whatever goes through and has to be to put to death, and the government sort of maintains control there. And uh, battle royale, it's it's similar as far as their 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 handling of the youth right it's like basically a culling of the, the younger punks <laughs> like they... <laughs> mike's dream of a society <laughs> well i didn't really like that movie uh for similar reasons to this one it's far better than the belco experiment and that i thought if you take that line of thinking too far this thing's really dumb mm-hmm. so you kind of have to as you said with kong not think which yeah, always exactly. bothers me it bothers me when you have to really do extra legwork for the filmmakers that they should have fucking done themselves here remove the voice remove just have the windows and the door shut and i think it's far more interesting if the office workers themselves have to figure out what is it that we're being asked to do here right. let them like don't put this like everyone has to die in a half hour we need two more two more deaths like because it never really makes sense why the people conducting the experiment would want to expedite it in such a way, because it feels like whatever they're trying to figure out, whatever scientists they are, doesn't that skew the results to yes. an extent where it's like, none of this makes like, if you're having to blow people's heads up every half hour and you, you yourself, the scientists have to kill, you know, 70% of the people, then you didn't really learn much. I, right. I don't know. It's just, I agree. Yeah. I go back to, uh, does guardians of the galaxy really give, you know, the gun family so much pull that they were able to do something that has not one shred of originality and doesn't have any good performances. The directing is terrible. Yeah. It's just really boring. Well, from, from, what I, from what I heard, from what I read, like the reason this got made is because of Guardians of the Galaxy. This has been like a quote unquote passion project for James Gunn that he wanted to get made and no one would give that him funding. About James Gunn. And now we know why it couldn't get funding because it's a bad idea. It's not a good movie. Like, it's an idea we've already seen before, and it doesn't have a new take on it at yeah. all. So it says more to me about James Gunn that, uh, you know, I wondered if he was a guy that came in like the, the Winter Soldier dudes who then, you know, they have went right back to Marvel and <laughs> fell on their face with Civil War. I guess Marvel and their characters did more for him than he brought to Marvel. That's that's because I always thought he brought a sort of a funny oddball sensibility to it. Then I see this. I'm like, Oh, you don't have any original ideas. You need to work with cartoon characters. <laughs> you need to work with a talking raccoon. Well, it's interesting because like things have definitely changed. Cause I think James Gunn, if you look at his earlier career, if you look at stuff like Slither and stuff like super, there is a new take on genre of filmmaking in both of those. I didn't feel that way about super. I, well, I didn't. You I mean, know. I felt like it was definitely a different take on the quote unquote, like crime fighter superhero genre. I don't think it was done that well, but it was definitely something I hadn't seen before. Whereas this was just like going over well-trodden ground in the horror. Genre. Like this is why assholes like me make fun of the horror genre. This is why like, okay, I've seen it before. I don't need to watch it. So why should I fucking bother? And they just, they tried, the only way they upped the stakes in this movie was how brutal and how violent and how gory and how bloody it got. But nothing else, like they didn't up the stakes for these characters. You just don't care. Yeah, I I got the impression that The Hunger Games was more brutal. And it's Hmm. probably because I understood the motivation behind, you know, saving your sister. Like, you know, putting yourself into a sacrificial position here, I don't, I don't know anything about these people. They're, they try to inject some office romance where like one has been dismissed and there's this courtship happening and it's pissing off poor John C. McKinley. <laughs> poor John but, C. McKinley. But, you know, it, it feels like they're just going through the motions uh, again. Like even when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, I guess this is something that's going to come up later when they're, you know, locked in the room together. But right. it's, uh, it, they don't care. They, they, if the filmmakers themselves don't have genuine interest in it, then don't waste my time sitting through it. Just they could have opened with them just attacking each other. Right. Like, can you imagine how interesting would the movie have been if you just, you know, pan in on this these cubicles and you just see people like ducking and hitting each other with staplers, right. and you're already in the middle of it. That's a Sold. better movie. I'm already also, twenty minutes is gone. Yeah, exactly. And there's also like they they do like try to take the time to you know, go into this romance, but there's also a bunch of stuff with other characters that they leave out for some reason. Like there is a moment in a stairwell with John C. McGinley where someone calls him a pervert uh, and he gets really upset by this, but there's like no explanation as to why that triggered him and set him off so hard. Like he felt like, I felt like as an audience member, like, Oh, something, something that we haven't seen more so happened before 
but they took it out of the script or they didn't want to make it over 90 minutes, which I'm grateful for. Uh, but like, it just felt like, why are we including this moment? Why are we including this like rage from John? He's already supposed to be terrifying before this moment. Like we know that he like watches this female character and it's creepy and is like constantly harassing her. And we know he's violent given by what he's just done in this stairwell. Do we really need like, Oh, someone said pervert and it set him off. Like, that's not interesting. Well, like I, I think about with a lot of, I guess, social justice warriors on Twitter as far as like, yeah, you could probably pick your battles, pick your spots a little bit more, especially given the the insane presidency we live under. Like, I don't give that much of shit about Iron Fist and clearly no one else does because it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> and that's all we can stop talking about it in that situation. I also I didn't have the thought like, oh, I wonder if that's going to be played out. I just wondered, like why is anyone getting upset about that at this at this point in people time, are dying and you're like you're a pervert really that's i have a bomb in my head and it you know some madman's whim my head could explode but it's like what did you just call me how dare you call me a pervert and pune my reputation in the belco with, corporation with my coworkers. yes that's yeah i mean there's just there's honestly there's not a lot good here there like, if you want a horror movie purely for blood and gore, then you'll probably enjoy this. If you don't care about plot, you don't care about characters, you don't care about script, fine. Like, you'll get you what— You don't care about your life. You, no, you'll <laughs> you'll get what you're looking for here. You will get the violence. You will get the gore. You know who this is for? If you're Chris Maynard, Maynard and you have, that... you have... <laughs> No, well, I don't know. I don't know what he would say about this. Um if you're married, you have kids, and movies are your escape from your family for two hours— you may give this a pass. Uh, and I'm assuming you only saw this one because your kids actually wanted to go see beauty and the beast this weekend. So this was your, your me time. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. Just, and I would just encourage drinking, go to a bar instead for two hours. Yeah. I mean, take you, up drinking as a hobby. I think it's a better choice. <laughs> My hypothetical family man. Drink more. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was really interested in the kind of, in the theater experience. And that's how, you know, like a movie sucks. If I'm like more concerned with what's happening around me than what's happening on the screen. But people were really into this in, in my theater. Like they were really, they were like gasping, they were screaming. Like, and it was, of course, a much younger audience. Like this was a very like late teen, early 20s audience. And I think sometimes horror movies just, just fit that bill for that particular group of people where it's just like, I just want to go be scared. I don't, I don't want to kind of worry about anything else. I just want the blood and guts. And they got that. But I was just sitting there kind of bored. Like there wasn't a scene of gore that I was like, ew, this is so gross. I can't, I don't want to look at the screen. It's uncomfortable. It was just kind of like, oh, they did some good prosthetic work, I guess. Like I, I just couldn't get into it. Even those moments that are meant to shock didn't work for me. I was on my phone most of the time. <laughs> That's why I was, and you know, I, 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 <laughs> I read these, these articles about the, the, the the sanctity of the theatrical experience <laughs> and i'm just like you know stuff like this doesn't deserve it like no. i always sit i sit away from everyone i i sit away from the crowd if i can't anyway especially i'm by myself seeing the Balco experiment let me tell you there was no crowd shame there was me and three other people in there and i sat as far away as possible have my iphone dimmed and i caught up on some emails i think i tweeted a couple times <laughs> not about this it wasn't promoting this um, yeah, it's just, it's just boring. It's just, I think it's one of those things you're talking about. Okay. Appeals maybe to a younger audience. I think maybe if the hunger games not been around, uh, yes. I think if it was just, if we were just competing with battle Royale, mm -hmm. I wouldn't expect them to have seen it. Maybe enough time has passed where it's like, you know, the gun brothers can pull this one off where they just rip off another movie. But I think if you've, if you've ever seen a horror movie before in your life, I can't imagine this one is going to blow your mind in any way see, i, I think, just don't see it i think this is the first time this is a first for mike deniston where mike's like just go watch the hunger games like that's <laughs> i really thought it was a lot better you know it was just like and i i didn't even finish that fucking series because you know it ended up being 14 parts or whatever they tried to turn into a tv <laughs> yeah. thing uh but yeah the first one i don't know i understood the the plight and uh i the funny thing with the gore and i see it on the poster that's what they're selling as well so i don't know if mm -hmm. that's what it was in the trailer it's totally unnecessary. Like it's not, mm -hmm. it doesn't add anything to the experience as far as like, cause they're not doing, this isn't, uh, you know, David Cronenberg. He's not doing some sort of interesting body horror no. where it's like actually seeing it as some new visual. It's just hitting people in the head or shooting them or stabbing them. It's like, yeah. we, we've seen that a thousand times a year in movies. So who cares? Yeah. I don't know. 
Absolutely. All right. So I want to go to spoilers because there's kind of two things I want to bring up. Uh, I'm always amazed with these crap yes, movies. That's I right. want to continue the discussion because I'm just like, oh, it's terrible. It's yes. bad. Oh, I'm, spoilers. I'm going to make you suffer more. So we're going to go to spoilers. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right, so the first thing to bring up is Michael Rooker. Uh, this pissed me off more than anything in the movie because he was honestly – he was a draw for me. He he is really interesting Such in – Such a strange thing to say. <laughs> he is really interesting in James Gunn movies. He will go over the top. He will go crazy, and it's fun to watch. And they kill him in the first fucking five minutes of this movie. And I was just like, why did you get Michael Rooker here? He's he's the only one in this movie with any kind of presence on screen. He's the only one who's interesting to watch out of all these actors. Fucking John Gallagher, who is in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Like, come on. I'm not – I don't care about that guy. I don't care about any of these guys. But you kill Mike – he's the first person to die in this movie. And I felt like it was – it was purposeful. It was a purposeful feint where it's like, oh, you think he's the he's he's like bigger physically. He looks tougher. He's going to be someone who takes a bunch of people out. So instead, they take him out in the beginning of the movie. But I was just annoyed by it. Yeah, I don't have your Michael Rooker uh, affection, I guess, for the man. Um, I I was ready to just just get it on. Let's just get this get this on. And uh, I I guess that's the only surprise death, maybe like yeah. the, the way it happens. But I felt like it was so stupid. It was really it dumb. I, I couldn't yeah. buy into it. I just uh, given the situation, like you know, there's a lot of scenes where there's just sort of uh, like a, a mass shooting kind of effect, where you just have mm-hmm. a crowd getting mowed down with the ones that have weapons and ones that don't. I couldn't even keep track of who was dead and who was alive. Well, yeah, and then I realized I didn't care. So yeah, it's nobody cares. <laughs> and this one, it's like it's only like really like two people in a room. And it's yeah. just like, uh, like kind of like the pervert thing with John C. McKinley. <laughs> it was like an overreaction, like "Don't touch me!" And like, uh, I, you know, when I don't want someone to touch me uh, at a you bar, hit him with a wrench. That's the grocery store. I just fine. have my handy wrench and I turn and swing with it, <laughs> and then I act surprised that I've wounded or hurt another human being. Um, yeah, I did. I don't know. I, I guess I just don't. I'm a bad podcaster because I don't have really an opinion on Michael Rooker. I liked him in Mallrats when he. Uh, <laughs> Was was eating the uh, like the was it the the poop cookie or whatever? Like <laughs> it, that was, was... <laughs> it was a chocolate covered pretzel. Get it together. It <laughs> he thought it was poop or was actually I can't it was remember. actually stink palm, and he thought it was just a chocolate covered pretzel. See, this is already more fascinating this is... <laughs> than anything in this movie. <laughs> so the only other thing I really want to bring up is kind of the ending of this movie, and there's a long sequence that for me that kind of starts with our quote unquote hero besting the like army ranger or whatever which made no sense like all of a sudden he turned into like an mma fighter at the end of this movie and like had this like leg hold on his neck and it was like one how do we get here because the whole movie sets up that he is not violent and he doesn't know how to fight and then all of a sudden when he needs to because because script reasons he has to kill this guy and then at the end of the film he manages to plant a bunch of bombs on people like i'm jason Bourne. yeah i was just like what and then the movie pans out and we find out that these experiments are going on everywhere right there's like dozens of them and to me unbelievably that made the movie less interesting i was already not interested but then like the fact that this is not just a solitary thing but that this is happening all over the globe i was like Okay, this this movie already strains believability, but to have but to tell me there's like thirty six places on the planet where it's that far away from society that you could manage to do this with these office workers, come on, this doesn't make any sense. This is dumb and it's meant to be a shocking moment, like the pan out moment. It's this movie wants so badly to be cabin in the woods and it fails at kind of every level. Like they have the scene where the room goes dark and everything goes to shit and they have that in cabin in the woods, but you have these creatures and that moment works and you have, you know, the kind of overseers, the same kind of thing, but none of the actors are interesting and the story isn't interesting. Whereas I think cabin in the woods really works and this really doesn't. Well, cabin in the woods is not afraid to go totally off the rails as far as like it introduces stuff, but it doesn't really try to explain uh, you know how they're able to to lock off the cabin in the woods no. with this like force field and because you don't care it understands the audience doesn't give a shit i don't give a shit and it's a straight up and, satire of the genre which i love whereas this is just one more thing in the genre to be made fun of 
it's funny because it's like, you know, this is come, it's a Johnny come lately and yet it's just doing all the same shit you've seen before. It doesn't have any particular insight. It doesn't even really make fun of it in any nope. way. Um, it is not, I, I, I referenced office space. It's not even office space, like in a horror setting, like office space is more horrific. And you know, that's this. what I heard about this. That's what this was supposed to be. And that's, that's an interesting hook right there, but they never live up to that in the least. Well, someone in the marketing department needs to get a deal to write and direct right. a Marvel movie. Cause right. apparently they have more talent than Mr. Gunn. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, I don't. As far as spoilers with the, the main character, uh, I, I also didn't like that the uh, the the villain here had like they they throw out that he had some sort of tactical oh. military experience. Not and all guess, of us are trained to kill. You're <laughs> you're getting what? away from the idea. You know, like if I'm the experimenter, I'm just like, hey, that that probably skews things a little right. bit. We already have a trained killer. <laughs> we know that they're willing to kill because they've signed up right. before. What was the thought process again? Don't think too much. I understand, but. But that, I, I don't know. What but like here. they mentioned it, they they make they painfully make you aware of that. And as you go to the end of the movie and you see that this is an experiment to kind of get some sort of data, um, that doesn't really work. I feel like that would they should just cancel this experiment and be like, okay, everybody go home. Uh, just kidding. Uh, with the whole with the whole ceiling off the building, you guys can go home because you guys have a fucking Navy SEAL or a Marine. Isn't that or a better movie? Was. Yet again, when you have the experimenter have to come <laughs> like, in and stop oh, it and be like, oh, shit. fuck, we fucked up. <laughs> we didn't screen this guy. Apparently he is a psychopath. Apparently he's willing to kill all of you. We need to get him out of there. Right. And then you have a struggle. I don't know. There's and just they a lot also, of funny things. They also do. have this whole setup where like we're going to let one person go, whoever has the most kills, which doesn't make sense because by the end of this, there's only going to be one person left anyway. So and they probably and they might not have the most kills. That person could have one kill. Does that mean they kill them? Does that mean that person goes free? How does this work? Like this is not thought Just out. Say it's a you stop with the the fucking you know this isn't Jeff Probst on an island somewhere. <laughs> Just and even Survivor has more more thought out rules as far yep. as than. Just just say it's the the last one standing. Right. That's what you're going for, and let everybody know that. Like I, but and then you could actually. And then you could actually have an interesting moment at the end of the film where maybe you have two people that were working together and there could only be one survivor. So they I mean, have that's to. Not, it's not original either, but no. it would force our good guys to change in some way. To and make this, difficult and, decisions instead of like live. Up, it's just teams. It's just, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's laser tag with, right. uh, with gore, I guess. Yeah. I don't laser know. tag with movie. brains on the ground. It's, it's not good. You live in California. Can't you you got to find better stuff than this. What, what's going on here? <laughs> I tell you, with Beauty and the Beast coming out, there's no room for any other movies at the theater right now. I so. will say this. I'm glad, even as much as I did not like this movie, I still am glad I watched it instead of Beauty and the Beast. Sight unseen. Uh, just what? <laughs> over two hours long? I don't yeah, need to see that. Two hours and nine minutes, hour and 28. We know which one Mike's going to choose. Sure. So speaking of that, Mike, uh, what's coming up on War Machine Horse that you'd like to uh, pimp out on the show today? You know, I have not actually recorded an episode in over a month. I got like, like far ahead. What is you. coming out? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember uh, this week. OK, I've not actually recorded this one yet. So, yeah, I, I should probably watch the movies. Um, I'm actually going to be discussing uh, Train Spotting 2, hmm. which uh, is finally making its way here. And I attempted my travels to see it <laughs> over in Ireland and got blocked on that because you realized of, you had a wife and you're like, uh, maybe not. Wife, this is not the fight. My sister's wedding, and I probably shouldn't run the risk of being late uh, to Ooh. see uh, T two. Uh, but we're going to be looking at the relationship, uh, the working relationship between Danny Boyle and Owen McGregor uh, in their earlier work because they had a falling out uh, post train spotting over the beach. So we're going to be talking shallow grave and uh, the great, the everyone loves it, uh, life less ordinary. It's it's so so well regarded. So I love that movie. That movie's. <laughs> That movie's a joy. Yeah. It I, is a 90s movie. I will say it, that. It, it is, is definitely not. that. Yes. Uh, Danny Boyle, I just think, has got to be like one of the most uneven directors in history. Like, there's not a lot of middle ground. Like, there's a lot of great work and there's a lot of really bad work. So I can't blame Ewan McGregor for having a falling out with him. But I think that was because he wanted to be cast in the beach, right? And he went he went with Leo. He turned down, from what I remember, years and years and years ago reading this. He told George Lucas that he would be Obi-Wan only if it worked around the beach's schedule and turned down Star Wars for his boys. And when they got Dane Boyle and company got a chance at DiCaprio post Titanic, they threw McGregor overboard. And so he was willing to throw Star Wars away for them. 
And uh, they were not willing to do the same once DiCaprio came knocking, which I think Christian Bale had the same thing happen with him on American Psycho. He briefly got fired when DiCaprio was interested. I just um, I just love that you managed to work in Titanic and thrown overboard in the same sentence. That's that's that was not purposeful. Well, well done. All right. Was anyone thrown overboard in that movie? I can't remember. I don't know if there was a Belko experiment with Titanic, but you know what? It's a better Belko <laughs> experiment. Why didn't we talk about that? I would have loved to rewatch Titanic for this show. I've not seen it since I was a teenager, and that would have been a better horror I'll, movie. I'll keep that in mind when I finally schedule Titanic on this show. You will be nope, the guest. Nope. That's what you this just did. To do it. That's what you just did. All right. And uh, I, I would, I, before the show is over, I just want to pause it that on these crap weeks, wouldn't it be better to trick people and say, <laughs> we're talking about the Belko experiment and be like, you know what we consider to be the Belko experiment Titanic. So that's what we're talking about. No, I'm not doing that. Uh, shows with a uh, high listenership, like war machine versus Warhorse, can get away with that shit. Not, not pop culture case study. We, we don't even put it that artfully <laughs> together. We don't even really announce when we're talking about a different movie. We just start talking about it. And they're it's like, Oh true. yeah, we're doing a podcast. I guess we should talk about the McGregor movies. All right. Uh, so uh, right now we're going to take a break and then we'll come back uh, with Brit and Fangirl Fixation uh, because of Slither and that movie being, you know, a little bit of body horror and a little bit of aliens taking over human bodies. We are going to take a look at Invasion of the Body Snatchers from the 1950s. Oh, thanks, Dave. Yeah, another good You're one. You're welcome. Missed out on that. <laughs> that I watched the Belko experiment. So we'll be right back. This is Chris Maynard. I'm host of the following films podcast. Every week I discuss a current release with one of the creative forces behind the film. Whether it's Giles Nutkins talking hell or high water, Leah Thompson discussing her work on Trouble with the Truth, or Jeremy Sandy chatting about his work on Deepwater Horizon. You can find our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you find podcasts. <laughs> Better yet, you can go to followingfilms.com, check out our latest episode, get some film news, reviews, and all sorts of goodness. Uh, that was my son Jacob. He says hello, and he really wants you to check out the show. All right, so we're back, and it's time for Fangirl Fixation with Britt. Say hello, Britt. Hello, Britt. Oh, you're back to actually saying hello. I like it. For now. All right. So before we jump into your film education, and mine, quite frankly, uh, and the movie's coming out next week, anything else uh, you want to talk about before we jump into this? Wodka. Yeah. Britt and I are drinking right now. You may hear hear ice clinking. Because I ain't putting this shit down. It's true. It's really good, so she's not putting it down. Nope. I want to know what genius finally decided that V8 juice should make Bloody Mary mix because, like, you need to, like, actually try it, people. It's really good. She's Surprisingly good. I don't have to do any of the work now. Just pour <laughs> and pour. Yep, that's that's uh, the best part. Just pour and drink, and Brett will be a happy Brett. Yep. All right, so uh, because we talked about Slither earlier this week and actually finally a older movie that you've actually seen before so i was kind of struggling to think of oh what what classic movie goes with slither because slither is uh kind of a crazy movie and slither I, is slither yeah and i would have done tremors but i think you've seen that before um yes so it's... <laughs> hold on <laughs> spice it Okay. Uh, so uh, I asked uh, Chris Maynard, who was on the episode with me, and he's like a kind of a horror fanatic, like kind of knows all the history and stuff. He's talking about, well, you know, Slither has this piece of it that's about like these bodies being snatched and this kind of group think going on. So he came up with Invasion of the Body Snatchers from mm -hmm. 1956. So that's why we're doing this movie. And this is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I I've seen the newer version, the one from the 70s, but I couldn't really tell you anything about it other than who was in it. Um, I can't I think, even tell you who was in it. I can tell you I saw Donald it. Donald Sutherland, come on. Yeah, but I'm just Get saying, like, I, you know. <laughs> All you know about it is belly button. Yep. That's it. Because that's an ongoing thing in my family. Yes, that has become the Whenever somebody is not doing something right, show me your belly button. And literally, <laughs> in my family, you have to raise up your shirt and show the belly button. You gotta do it. So, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1956. So, what was your experience like watching this? Did you did you enjoy it? I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I think um, I'm having... Well, what were your expectations going in? Well, I mean, we've already been watching, like, some other 50s movies recently, and so I was waiting for a lot more sexism and racism and all that surprised stuff. both the movies recently we watched from the 50s? They were way more... Not as sexist yeah. as I feared. Yeah, like, even with this one, uh, Dave got happy because... The girl actually did something, and that was something like, like fairly violent for yeah. a female in the fifties. So, and it wasn't just her going crazy, right? 
Um, yeah, so like I was I was expecting to go into it and just be cringing through the whole thing right. instead of actually enjoying it, which I think I did for the most part. You enjoyed it for the most part. That's yeah, what you're saying? I have. So this is this is the thing that I'm having issues with is that uh, movies like older movies that are now getting remastered are like messing with my opticals. Okay. I don't know if that's a word. I don't think it is, but people know what you mean. It's messing with Watka. with your eyes. Uh, yeah. How you view things? <laughs> because it it's just it feels more modern. But I know it's not like it. It right. almost feels it feels like Pleasantville. Oh sure, that's right. that's how it feels sometimes when we're watching these remastered movies, and right. it takes me out of it for a second because mm. even like the panning of the camera is off. Mm. So it, I have to stop and be like, no, 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 this is an older movie. It's gonna be okay. It's fine. <laughs> just just I think calm the down. Thing, the thing that surprised me the most, and we kind of talked about this as we were watching it, but the fact that you have a main character who's divorced. In 1956. Yeah. And he's your protagonist. Like, he's your hero. Not only is he divorced, but he fully admits that the divorce is his fault. Yeah. Like, that he was he working had, too much. That he, he had around. a good wife who did, like, all the things that you expected a wife to do, and that it was his fault. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was definitely different and something unexpected. And I also like that this movie is it's kind of, it's quick and dirty, you know? It's a, an hour and 20 minutes. They kind of jump right into it. He's like, kind of quick and dirty. It sounds like he's giving it to the nurse and he's going for the yeah. side piece. And the nurse is like, cool. Yeah. Hey, you know, yeah. he's a doctor. He's got money. He's a good looking guy. I'm sure he gives her uh, birth control too. So it's fine. Yeah, well, you know, got good medical insurance working in a doctor's office. Got all them pills just hanging out in the cabinet. <laughs> he did have that. My eyes lit up. I was like, wow. Look at those. They don't put them under key. <laughs> But I also thought, like, I feel like, granted, in the 50s, we kind of talked about this, like, everything's kind of about about the Cold War. Um, yeah. But this was very clearly... About communism. About communism. But I thought it was actually handled really well. Yeah. I think that when we do, and maybe it's just because we're, we're in it, but when we see movies now that are very clearly metaphors, it seems really heavy-handed. Because they are. And this is is like, all, all the time... Two, there's maybe two scenes where you're like, audience, okay, I get it. Here. Here's Hammer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe I think, they trusted audiences more in the 1950s, or they were trying to be subtle about it. Me, I mean, I don't know if they were trying to be more subtle about it. I think maybe in the 50s, people are going to get mad now. I think people thought more. Hmm? I think I think now, like people expect to be told. Whereas, a lot of that. whereas I feel like film and novels and all that kind of stuff in the 50s was more about getting you to think mm -hmm. you know so they wanted you to dissect the work they wanted you to look at like not only the what you're watching but what it means in the rest of the world like i think it, I, and i also think um sometimes things were more subtle in that era because people had to be more careful about what they said oh yeah absolutely um though you know with trump in power now not so much <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying we might have to go back to being careful of what we say. Who knows going to be knocking at your door? I'm just, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. Politics, vodka. Oh, I'm drinking vodka and talking about Trump. Oh, okay. Putin. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Um, so He's regretting having back, me take a shot. <laughs> back to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So do you have like a favorite moment or a favorite scene or a favorite character? What really sticks with you in this movie? Uh, Well, the pod scene was gross. Which pod scene? The one There's where it looks like slugs getting salted. Oh, yeah, that was gross. That yeah, was really so I'm the never going to forget that. Yeah, the sound effects. And that's literally what it looks like. It looks like you took a snail you, and you salted it. Mm -hmm. Not that I had to do this very often in my childhood or like every time I went to my Such grandparents. Such a childhood. I did. <laughs> really bad. We all looked forward to salting the, the snails. The thing I kept noticing is that when you look at kind of sci-fi slash body horror, because that's essentially what this is. This is a body horror movie. Yeah. Um, kind of one step uh one step apart from it because it's like your body but it's not yours right i think in movies now we have to have these like shock value scenes very early in the movie to draw people in and this took i mean the movie's only 80 minutes and i think it was 45 minutes into the movie before anything creepy happened well i think it's kind of a lost art of building suspense mm -hmm. um because did you feel like it worked in this movie like, i think were you i think drawn it did in? i liked it um because it wasn't it wasn't ever anything that you felt like you needed to be shown. And again, I think that's like partially because we've gotten lazy. Mm. Like we want to see like we want instant gratification. We want to know what the monster looks like. Well, I wonder if it's it's partially laziness, but it also is partially a money game, right? Because if you want to make a movie that is going to make a lot of money, 
you want to appeal to everyone, to the lowest common denominator. So you can't have any mystery about it. Can you can't leave be math smart. out of this? It's not, I mean, it is math, but it's like, okay, I'll put it a different way. You want the idiots in the audience to get it as well as the smart people. There we go. Right? So in order to do that. I don't want to be known as a numerator. So in order to do that, you have to kind of dumb it down. Right? So everybody gets it. Right. I felt like movies back then, they weren't so worried about that. Maybe because cinema was like a much newer thing as far as like being a money-making venture. And they weren't so concerned about that. Whereas now it's like, well, if you didn't make $100 million, then who cares? Well, right. I think I think cinema then was way more about getting your message across. Which we're seeing a little bit of a callback to that now. Like, we are seeing, mm-hmm. like, some more thought-provoking movies, which get, like, huge mixed reviews because people right. like... You know, I mean... Is there something recently that, that you think of when you think of, like, a thought-provoking movie you've seen? Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures? Okay. I think... I mean, I it did do really well. I, yeah. um But I think that's... I mean, that's, eventually it really... Right. The Oscar buzz helped. Right. But that's what I'm saying is, like, yeah. when it first came out, people weren't, like, super jazzed about it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's because it's a thought-provoking thing. Like, this is stuff that's still happening. Right. You know? Like, this isn't new. Right. Um, and I think... I think especially with stuff like Hidden Figures, people don't want to face the reality of what we've done and what we're continuing to do. Mm-hmm. Um... And there's a couple other things that have come out, but, you know, I don't remember anything because that's not my strong suit. All right. I mean, the thing that pops and... into my mind right now is Get Out. Oh, yeah. Get Out is another good one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you said, like, you know, movies back then and movies like this had a had a message. That's something they're trying to get across. What do you feel like this movie was trying to get across? What did it get across to you? Um. Well, communism. Com- Words are hard. Yeah, it's because you're drinking vodka and you're doing what the communists want. Yeah. <laughs> it's Tito's. Which doesn't sound Russian at all. So, the message? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, in this movie, like we've talked about already, it's about communism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's definitely like breeding fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the person that you think you know you may not actually know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was kind of the message was sure. to make people hyper vigilant and paranoid mm-hmm. about um, family, neighbors, whatever. And that's still happening now, right? Like, the uh, whole, it's even, if, yeah. if you see something, say something. But like, yeah, but that's what I'm saying is like, and it's getting even worse now. Yeah. Um, With ice at people's doors. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What? No, I'm just thinking about that. Um. That graphic that's going around, like, if they come to your door, like, here are your rights. Yeah. And that's that's fucking scary. It's terrifying. I mean, it's luckily, selfishly luckily for us, it's something we have to worry about because of the tone of our skin and where we're from. I was going to say, because we're white. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's a, a serious part of people's lives right now is you have to be worried, even if you are here legally, that people are going to make assumptions about you. Yeah, it's... um. It's definitely one of those things where I've had to hear from my friends who are, you know, Indian, mm-hmm. that, like, they're now really afraid. Yeah. Because people aren't paying attention to what, like, like they had, um, they knew somebody recently who was attacked for being a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Which, yes, there are Muslim Indians. I know, shocker, do your mm-hmm. research. It's a thing. Um, but the fact that just because you're brown... Yeah. Now means that you're of a certain religion, which isn't true, and that right. you're more vulnerable to attacks. Like, right, and you're a target. Like yeah. there was there was a mugging not too far from their house, and they're not in a bad neighborhood. Right. They, that person just happened to have the wrong colored skin. Yeah. It's terrifying. Like according mm-hmm. to uh, the mass majority of America right now. Right. So yeah, I mean, and this movie is just really like it's it's a little it's a really good movie. I really enjoyed it, but it is really unnerving. Um, in a couple ways. One, just the the way things were looked at in the 50s, like this idea of like, this is it, them over there and they're this one entity. They're yeah. communism. They're, they're dirty. They're horrible. They're out to get us. And then, you know, you look at the Americans and they're all individuals. So it's really pumping up this idea of individuality and how great America is. Right. And now you look at it now in our culture now, and it's the same idea. It's like, instead of this way of life, this communism coming and infiltrating into now society. Now it's the immigrants. Yeah, now it's the immigrants who have most likely been here for generations, a yeah. lot of them. So it's really, it's really something that's still, it's still affecting. But I've like actually from the lost family side, members over this. Right. Because, because half my family 
um, well, actually the great majority of my family is immigrants, but half my family, um, like my brother and I are only fourth generation, mm-hmm. um, because my great grandparents came from Portugal mm-hmm. and I, I've actually lost people because I would, uh, cause they started talking shit about immigrants right. and how you need to be a true American. Right. And I was like, well, define to me what a true American what is. Mean? Like yeah. at what point am I a true American? Because half my family hasn't been here from the very beginning. Right. And technically only a 16th of me has been. Right. So. And hell, you've been here longer than, than my family. I'm like third generation. You know, and it's like, it's, it's one of those things that's so weird to kind of look at these ideals of like what a real American is and where we stand when like there are probably people who are Mexican, who are Chinese, who are Russian or whatever, who and their families have been here for longer than me. But because they look a certain way or sound a certain way, they're going to be viewed as like, oh, well, you're the one. who. They're also probably way more patriotic than I am. Almost guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to get. Just to immigrate here and get into this country, the tests you have to pass and the knowledge you have to have about American history is crazy. It's yeah. stuff I wouldn't know. I bet most of it's not even taught in school. Not until you get into college and you're specializing. Yeah. I mean, it might be mentioned in school, but that's yeah. about it. It's not going to be truly hammered into you. So something I just realized right now, uh, speaking of whiteies, is uh, there are absolutely no ethnic characters in this movie. Like, not even nope. in the background. No, that doesn't fit into, I mean, I think there's two things. It doesn't fit into kind of the American ideal of the 1950s. Right. And you, they would stand out so much in those sequences where everyone's supposed to look alike and be right. doing the same thing. Right, yeah. but like, I just like, it just now hit me. I'm like, wait, that doesn't make any sense that farms are only run by white people. Right, yeah. Well, run by white people, but not worked by white well, people. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really Coming from the Central Valley. Right. That absolutely. is weird to me. And, like, I've always said that. Like, I moved up to uh, the North Bay for a little while, and it made me very uncomfortable because there were so many white people. Yeah. Like, I... Like, everywhere. At the... Kings, fucking white people, like, like roaches, man. They're just everywhere. Why, Dave? <laughs> Why? All right, so let's get back uh, to something. Anything you want to mention about the movie before we go into, like, our usual questions about greatness and about movies in general? No. Anything else I think we, I think out? we went off to a very political slant on yeah, this episode. Yeah, we definitely did. So... We definitely did. Mm. Um, I definitely like, I think my favorite, uh, my favorite sequence is kind of the combination of the sequence at the, at the gas station. And when they pull over and kind of light the pots on fire, like it really like shows those things really lit up too. They did, man. I don't know what was, what kind of oils are on those pods, but those things lit. So. (laughs) What if it smelled like bacon? Uh, Gross. All right. So is this a great movie? I think it is. Okay. What what makes it stand out to you as as a great movie? Uh, well, the things that we always talk about it had good pacing. It did a good build up without like losing your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like that they were very bold in their ending. Yeah, it wasn't a total happy ending. You no. don't really know what's going to happen. No, you have no idea what's going to happen. Right. Um. So I think I think that was really smart. And, and, and plus, you know that truck. It. If you looked at the right before he saw it, it like said all the major cities: yeah, like Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco. San Francisco yeah. 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 And yeah. so, and who knows how many trucks have already gone? Yeah. So. And I think it's a gutsy ending in some ways, and in some ways, it's not because if this movie is made to breed fear. It's it's the the ending that makes the most sense, right? Right, because you have no idea. Because now you're going to be questioning. And now everything. you have to be on edge. Now you have to be on the lookout. Yeah. For the communists or for the pod people or whatever you want to. And they were throw really smart with like not ever giving a definite of how you could tell it was a pod person. Yeah, there was just something there was, just, there was, was something that was not off. off. There's something not right around the eyes, mm-hmm. which that could be anything for anybody. Like I'm tired. I'm sick. Right. Like I'm stressed out. Like anything could change how you would look around the eyes. Right. And it and it gives people an excuse to like rat out their friends and neighbors for no good reason. Like they just didn't seem right. I don't know if it's communism. I don't know what it is. They left something a bag about in them. the airport. Yeah, exactly. But something about them is not quite right. All right. So do you see anything in this movie that you see in more modern movies? Do you feel like this has well, like we forward? talked about, like they, there's that uh, the thing with the zombies, like that's it feels like this where it originated of like just blend in mm-hmm. and they won't attack you kind of thing, right? Um, uh, the one of us like mm-hmm. made me die. <laughs> I was like, ah, like we all say that now about other things. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think this is like one of those classic movies where there's a lot of things taken from different filmmakers, but right. the touches of it. Right. I don't think anything's ever like actually completely. Right. And I think you also have taken. the kind of I mean this is kind of a, a trope now, but kind of the the one man against everyone. Yeah. Like even in this movie like he has some friends and he has girlfriend slash someone who would be his wife most likely if things ended up a different way was she even a girlfriend at that point because she was out of the country so well no they were like, starting what? it up again though yeah like, like she made him going... an egg that's it well they, they made out on the Fastest porch like this it was gonna happen uh, so oh just because you make out with somebody is gonna that's happen right. marriage that's the next step no no but i think there was definitely like a romantic connection there and if they both got out of this alive i would think that the two of them would likely end up together. But so, they didn't because she was stupid and fell asleep. Yep, that's what happens. Spoilers. But she had... It's from 1956. <laughs> yeah, a little late on spoilers. But yeah, so they, you know, he had all this support, but it ends up being like one man against everyone. And I think you see that in a lot of movies yeah. moving forward, for sure. All right, anything else to add about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Nope. Okay, glad you liked it. Like we're on a little bit of a roll here. like you, Well, because again, it was 80 minutes. Yeah. That's how you make me happy. An hour and 20. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now we are going to move into what's coming out next week. So there are three new releases next week. Three uh, wide new releases. And the first one is Chips. Uh, of course, based on the, the old TV show with, uh, with Eric Estrada. But is it really? I have no idea. I didn't watch enough of that show to know like how close this is following it. Like Chips is one of those shows that when you couldn't sleep... It was on at like three in the morning as you're switching through chips. I feel like this movie is just hardcore trying to be the reboot for 21 Jump Street. Yeah, it reminds me more of, oh God, there was a, there was another reboot of an old 70s show that had like Ben Stiller and I think Owen Wilson in it. Starsky and Hutch. So Never it's like very it. silly and very over the top. Whereas yeah. 21 Jump Street was like, that movie still surprises me, like how good it was. Because I remember seeing the trailers and being like, that's going to be terrible. Right. And no, they, just, yeah, they yeah. just had the right formula there. But um, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I think they're trying for that, and they're just be. trying too hard. And yay, homophobia. Screw yeah. you guys. So this movie stars Michael Pena and Dax Shepard. And that's the thing that stands out most to me about the trailer, is like how we're still in this point in 2017 where a man touches another man's dick, and it's like the end of the world. Like, just like, no, no, I didn't touch it. No, no. Because apparently that makes you gay. If you touch a penis, instant gay. So good to know. I don't know how that works with women, then. Well, women, it's fine to be gay. Didn't you get the memo? Lesbians are hot. Gay men yeah, are not. Yeah, but if you touch a dick and then it turns you off a dick. No, I'm saying if, if you touch a dick, you become gay. Right. But right? if a woman touches a dick and she becomes gay, then she doesn't want the dick anymore. Yeah, but I don't think that's how that would work. If you touch a dick, you want dick. That's the that's the formula. But that's not important. I think we're getting lost here. So, uh, so the this this trailer was actually like kind of annoying and upsetting to me that like that because that's the big joke of the trailer. There's two or three kind of essentially gay jokes. It's more than two or three. It's like literally almost the whole trailer. Well, the whole trailer is dick jokes. Like you have the like Michael Pena really likes girls in yoga yoga pants, and he has a visible erection. Right. Uh, so. There's the close up of two packages touching mm -hmm. through underwear, so that makes you gay because yep. you can't. Also, you can't hug a man. Nope. Don't don't hug a man. Ever. No, because you might you might touch dicks. They even did the bro hug. So, but that was a very close bro hug. It was, or they were very well endowed. I can't figure it out which end. Maybe why it's, can't it be mm, both? Split it down the middle. It's fine. Yeah. So, um, and it sucks because actually I like Michael Pena a lot. Um, I think he's really funny. I think he's really good. Like I thought, I remember seeing him in Ant Man, and I think he was easily the best part of that movie. Like I thought he was hilarious. Um, he's a really enjoyable screen presence, but like this. Like, I watched... Oh, there was also sexism, too, because you can't have any female-sounding names. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, it's it's a movie that, like, from the trailers, I was like, there's nothing about this that interests me. And right. the only time I like Dax Shepard is when he's hanging out with his wife. Like, they're great together. They're adorable together. Him and uh, Kristen Bell. Yeah. Yeah. They had those, like, set of commercials for, like, Samsung yeah, so or whatever, and they were great. Dollar Store on Wilson, yeah. Yes, Dollar Store on Wilson. That's very true. But yeah, there's, is there anything about this trailer that like stands out to you in a, in a good way? Was there anything that like no. made you chuckle, made you laugh? No. Okay, any interest in seeing this? No. All right, cool. We can move on. Good. Uh, I'm glad that uh, we both feel the same way. Okay, so uh, the next movie coming out uh, is probably the 
the widest release, the biggest release, and that's Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, so this is where we di- where we divulge. So like, this, is, this is where we Rangers split. In um, space. Diverge. That's the word I was looking for. This is where we no split. diverging. Uh, so she's stupid too. What? Divergent. No, that's not all right. Anyway, so Power Rangers, of course, based on that uh, fucking terrible TV show. Um, so before you before you get upset, which you're already upset, before you say anything about being upset. Um, I tried to watch the show. You know this because I was like, I've never seen it because I was just a little bit too old to get into Power Rangers. And I watched, I think, it was, I think they had it on Netflix or something like that. Yeah. And I think I got through two and a half episodes and I was like, I can't. It's too fucking dumb. It's not even it's fair too... because the pilot episode sucks. And, and I'm sick of all these shows. It's like, just hang in for like 19 episodes and then it gets good. No, <laughs> like... I don't think that's true either. But I think like. It doesn't get good. <laughs> <sighs> so. Uh, convince me to watch the Power Rangers movie. What about this is going to be good? You don't like anything about it, so how am I supposed to convince you? I don't know. Give it a shot. Well, okay, what do you like about it? Okay, well, it was the first, like, real mainstream mecha show that we got. Like, you know, the, off- the first white mecha show? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, though all of the martial arts were still done by the original actors. Fun fact. Um, so underneath those, they're all Asian martial artists. Oh, good. Yeah. Another fucking whitewashed fucking bullshit show. Pretty much. What is this? Iron Fist? Hey, there was <laughs> one, there was one Asian. The Yellow, Yellow Ranger? <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Be better. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm like, like what, seven years younger than you? Something like that. Yeah. So it, it was also one of those things where it was a show that I watched with my brother Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I can blame of, him for this bullshit? Yes, you can't. Because, especially for me watching all of the original Power Ranger movies, that's his fault. I forget when I started dropping off of watching it. I originally started watching it because Voltron. Because it was, like, it was like a Voltron, but it's live action. I've never seen. <laughs> but that actually sounds like it would be good from what I've heard about Voltron. I might actually watch I haven't more watched than the new hour. one um, that's on Netflix, but mm-hmm. I always really liked the old one. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. So the you only have, thing there's two. Billy things. was awesome. That's all I gotta say. I don't what? care what you guys say. Oh, okay. Billy, the Blue Power Ranger. Sure. Um, Tommy's only, a jerk. Great. Um, there's only two things that like vaguely interest me, and one of them is that Brian Cranston is the voice in this, and I love which Brian Cranston. feels awful and weird. I don't like it. It's the only thing that's bringing me in. Uh, and two, uh, Elizabeth Banks going batshit crazy in this role. Sounds oh, fun to me. is that? Who, yeah, she's playing uh, Rita Repulsa. Yeah, um, which also not very Repulsa in this. I, I don't know what that means. Um, that but, means that like okay, so she's supposed to be like I mean, she's supposed to be ugly. She, well, not not entirely ugly, but like she's fucking hot in this, and that doesn't she's fit. Hot. And she got like skin tight, like nano whatever thing going on. They're trying to bring viewers like me in. They're like, well, look, this is dumb, but look, hot. <laughs> But I think this this role for her, and people will think this is an insult, but it is not. This could be Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending oh, level God. funny insanity. Like, I want to see her totally commit to this and just go fucking balls to the wall, fucking nuts, and just fucking commit. And I would love every second of it, just you like I loved Dave's every second of them. You has been drinking because the fuck has come out as a comma on his show. <laughs> Which I normally get yelled at to watch my mouth, but you know he's had that vodka, has so. not happened in like a year <laughs> since I decided to not have. Wow, just get it together. You're saying I'm drinking and you're just playing with your teeth with your tongue right now. No, I'm not. Happened. That is so not what happened. Uh-huh. Okay. So, anything else about this movie? Anything else uh, good about like like forget about like trying to convince me when you saw the trailer? What excited you about this? Like, were there moments that were like tied to the show that you were like, oh, I can't wait to see that. Um. <laughs> no, huh? I mean, it's it's hard to like describe because it, like it has that those tinges of nostalgia, but it's also very very different mm-hmm. from how like they came together. Like it seems like most of these characters are supposed to be delinquents, which was not really the case in um in the TV show. In the TV show. So my concern with it mostly is that there's going to be like this thing of like uh these are bad kids and they have to redeem themselves, which I'm kind of over that trope. Right. Um 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I got mostly excited when they started putting the uh, the machines together. Huh? No. Oh, Not like when the... they morphed. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, um, so do you feel like you're more excited about this because of memories of the show, or more excited about it because of things that are actually in the trailer? Memories of the show. Okay, so this is like more like nostalgia based than something. This is in the this is this is like my TMNT. Oh, okay. I was like, where is that going? Okay. Yeah, sorry. NT. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a pause. Like, okay. like where everybody got excited about Michael Bay's movies, like this is kind of how I'm feeling about Power Rangers. Okay. Except the people who really like TMNT and they saw that trailer and were mad for, about uh, the turtles. So maybe this is like when the first Transformers was coming out. I don't know. Super Michael Bay ruins everything. I don't know why he's Mostly everything. Come on. Pain and gain. Show some fucking okay. respect. No, that was a really good movie. <laughs> okay, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, uh, so it sounds now like... I want to get swole. It sounds like... Yes, I believe in fitness. It sounds like uh, Chips is a no so far, and this is a like, yes, but you'll hate yourself in the morning. I wouldn't do a walk of shame. I don't ever do a walk of shame. I own it. <laughs> you own it. Good. All right. So, uh, the last movie and the movie we're going to cover uh, is Life. Uh, which stars uh, Rebecca Ferguson, Ryan Reynolds, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, so, what did you think of the trailer for Life? Okay, so the first trailer, I was really, really excited about this movie. Uh-oh, this is not going in a good direction. <laughs> the second trailer, I'm like... <sighs> so, what was bad about the second trailer? Did it show too much? Like, I Yeah, it showed too much. I feel like it's just another freaking alien movie... This is symbiotic type thing that's going to take over some bodies and, you know, and I'm I'm just kind of over it. Mm. I don't know. There was something, like, I like the mystery of the first trailer and yeah. this one is just like, man, can I have just found this out during the movie and then be disappointed at the end? Yeah, see, it's funny. Like, we see the same thing in the trailer and you're over it and I'm super excited. Like, I can't wait because I love that shit. Like, that's, I mean, Alien is one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, because like, Alien's amazing. But mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, I'm over. Like, do something new. No, that's not a thing. There's no new thing. We're just going to repeat old formulas that worked and just cross our fingers and hope that it works out. I mean, for me, uh, a lot of it, um, a lot of my excitement, you know, separate from from the kind of alien aspect is the actors. I think all three lead actors are really good. That was the other thing I was excited about. But Ryan Reynolds is just being Ryan Reynolds, so it's Deadpool in space. Yeah, uh, I, no. No, it's, he might be being Ryan Reynolds, but it's not Deadpool in space. Thank God I've had enough Deadpool. In life. space. It's, it's more Muppets, but that's okay. Well, it's um, Ryan Reynolds in space, so it's going to be a Muppet. It's possible. But yeah, I mean, I think Ryan Reynolds is just kind of an enjoyable on screen. Like, I just, yeah. even in even in bad movies, like, you're talking to the guy who, like, Green Lantern. didn't mind Green Lantern. Green so Lantern. I will watch him in anything. Thank uh, you for making fun of yourself in Green Lantern. Yep, it's true. Uh, and Rebecca Ferguson, I really like. She was the one who was in the Mission Impossible movie um, that I made you watch. She was the the girl in who nothing yellow dress. Yes, okay. Yes, the one in the yellow. Dress. I only remember the dress and the titties. Yes, uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal, who is kind of consistently great, like kind of in everything recently. So he's ruined for me now, and because that's of your fault. Yep. Yeah. I like. I don't like. No, he's a creepy evil dude who's going to kill everybody now. It's possible. I think that's actually that's actually one of the great things about about Joe and Hall is there is some movies where he plays kind of the stereotypical romantic lead, and there's some movies where he plays the villain. And I think he's convincing. And then there's Prince of Persia. Yeah, I'm sure he'd like us to forget about that. That's nope. Not a good memory. Sustain on your underwear forever. Ew, gross. Um, so yeah, so it doesn't sound like you're super excited about watching Life. I guess I'm watching that one alone, huh? I'll go to it. <laughs> Don't strain yourself there. I mean, it is Ryan Reynolds. Does he take his shirt off? Uh, I doubt it. I mean, he should, kind of in every movie. Like, I don't think he should be I mean, he's going to be an astronaut, so he should have to take his clothes off at some point, right? It's like, that happens in all astronaut movies. I think no matter what he does, he shouldn't be allowed to just have clothing. Can I have that in your contract, please? Seriously. Same as Ryan Gosling. Need to rewrite Well, Ryan Gosling can cover his face up most of the time. Yeah, he just looks like a Ken doll. I mean, I think you're better off with Ryan. Kendall down there. Thank you. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if anyone will get that joke, but that's okay. Uh, so yeah, so those three movies, like sounds like Chips is a big no, Power Rangers is a big yes for you, and Life is like, yeah, if I go, that's fine. Yeah, right? pretty much. Sums it up. 
All right. Um, so for me, Chips is a no. Uh, Power Rangers is a no. Uh, and Life is a yes. Like, I cannot wait for that movie. I'm super excited. Um, so, uh, anything to add before we before we finish up the show this week? Mm, nope. I want to go play on Pokemon now. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so, uh, the next time you hear my voice, uh, we will be doing an episode connected with the movie Life. We're going to be doing the original The Day the Earth Stood Still. So, Alright, so until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you want. Do you not hear me anymore? I know it's not your thing to care. I know it's cool to be so bored. Sucks being when you're alone. Can we agree that Beauty and the Beast, if you cast literally anyone, like you could cast you and me in Beauty and the Beast and it would make $100 million? Like, it doesn't matter who you put in there. It doesn't survive on star power. I'm sure there would be a lot of think pieces. If yes, you, yes. If you or I were Bell, if one of us was <laughs> Bell, they probably, you know, it would make less than what it did now. Yes, but yes, yes it would make but it would money. make money. Imagine a podcast back then. I just basically tried to use my <laughs> non-review segment that you give me to bitch at you and be like, why didn't you talk about this? We could have done that instead. That would have been better. <laughs> And all that will be left in. That's... And you, you <laughs> tossed me the ball at Michael Rooker, and I'm like, I have no thoughts on this thing. <laughs> I was really scratching my head. I'm like, when have I ever thought about this dude? Oh, yeah, he ate that shit cookie or something. <laughs> I was like, that's about all I got. I don't have history with the man. <laughs> the shit cookie. <laughs> that's something you should send me. Like, hey, I'm going to talk about Michael Rooker, because that completely caught me off guard. I'm like, Dave has an affection for this guy? Michael Rooker. Interesting. <laughs> I finally stumped Mike after 200-something episodes. Huh? <laughs> Mike turned into, like, the person who's, like, never podcasted before. And so, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> well, I tried. And then I threw you Mara. So you're like, no, it's the, the no, stink you pole. Idiot. That's what they were doing. <laughs> It's a fucking pretzel. What's wrong with you? I'm not. I don't have Michael Rooker on my wall like you're fucking catching the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) Strings attached to his filmography. (laughs) Oh shit. (laughs)